Hey, everybody, it's Chad Gordon. And Ken Blanchard. And, you know, Chad, I love these best of the podcast because you've done so many special interviews, but certain ones really stand out. They really do. And I love this one with uh, Heather Younger on the art of caring. What, what was something that you remember uh, that you really took away that helped impact, the, you know, just change the way you approach things this year? Well, she really, in many ways, reinforced my belief that the best companies are the ones who their number one customer is their people. And they show their people that they really care about them, that they want them to win and all. And then what happens, those people go out of their way to take care of your second most important customer, the people who use your products and services. And then what they become is raving fans of your organization, and the sales go up, and the organization flourishes. That's not too bad, Chad. That's exactly what we want to do. So sit back and enjoy this 2021 Best of Heather Younger on The Art of Caring here at the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Do you want to be a better boss, a better leader, a better manager? Are you leading an organization and you want to create higher engagement? You want to make sure that your people not only stay on the job, but rave about you? Well, those are the things that the Ken Blanchard companies can do. And one of the best things you can do is go to KenBlanchard.com and go to check out our tools and resources page. You can email us at podcast at KenBlanchard.com. And we really would like to know everything you're working on. That's for sure, because uh, we like leadership to be a we, not me process. And so join us and let's have some fun learning from each other. Heather Younger, welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So we're going to talk about your your book, The Art of Caring Leadership, How Leading with Heart Uplifts Teams and Organizations. And what I really liked about this book, and I think it's so timely, and I always like to put a timestamp sometimes when we do these podcasts. This is the beginning of summer of 2021. The world has drastically changed. The workplace has drastically changed. And so many people and so many organizations are struggling right now with the constant change, the uncertainty, um, the effects of what's happened over the last few months. Why do you feel like it's important to, to focus on caring leadership and bringing your heart to work? Uh, you know, I, I feel like I, people ask me this a lot. I feel like it's important to do this all the time, like not just during the pandemic, not just following racial injustice. You know, I just feel like it's important. It is my North Star to show up this way. And, you know, my podcast, Leadership with Heart, is that way, right? Everything for me is like you have to lead that way. There's just no other way to show up for people, for humans on this planet to make them feel important. And so right now, you know, I guess if I were to look at it from the, the, the narrow lens we're at right now, uh, you know, folks are struggling with this idea of having to go back to work. Folks are, um, there's been a lot of death and a lot of people have experienced death and trauma as it relates to all, to all of the death that's happened, whether it's happened in, you know, in, indirectly, um, directly or indirectly impacted them. So mental health issues are there and just so much stress and anxiety about all the changes happening. And so right now, you know, having leaders who uh, can sense that. So, so we're really working on their empathy to sense that that's happening with them. Uh, those who are, uh, trying to take in the whole person as they're leading them and not just saying like, what are you getting done? Why are you getting this done? What's going on in your productivity? Really not on them in that way, but in fact saying, can you tell, can, let's get to the bottom of why you are performing this way. What's happening right now? What's happening with you really? And is there any barrier that I can help you remove? And, and coming in from that perspective right now, I think you're, is even more important than it already was. What I like about this book is how it lays out some really specific steps that people can take to 
to be a more caring leader, to bring their heart to work, as Ken likes to say. I mean, he's a big believer in that and, and leading with your heart and servant leadership. So if somebody wanted to get started, and as we kind of look through the way you laid out your research in this book, um, and I always like to kind of mechanize it, how would you tell people you know, to, to start taking that, uh, that look at themselves and, and what are some of the initial steps you'd have them take to, to ensure that they are a, a caring leader? Well, I mean, uh, you know, I'm not here to try to push the book. The book is there and it's great. It's a resource, right? I have created an entire foundation around the book so that I didn't want it to be just about a book. I wanted to be an entire support system, an ecosystem of care that was created so that when people get to the end of it, they're like, wow, this is great. Like there's these behaviors. So, but like now what? And so we created a self-assessment, a caring leadership self-assessment, a caring leadership community that has some coaches in there that can help them work through their own assessment results and a caring leadership academy so that there's an entire place you can go. And, and half of the things I just mentioned are all free. They're just like resources for people to go to uh, so that they can have um, you know support on this journey that is not an easy one to take. It's just, it's not easy to show more care. I would say that uh, foundationally, before we can go on caring for others and, and being able to lead with heart for others, we have to do the same for ourselves. So that self-leadership is at the foundation of caring leadership. And that's why it's the most robust part of the book, because there, there's a lot of breakdown. There's research in there. There's stories in there. And there are kind of like one, two, three, four things that, right, that you need to focus on to be stronger in the self-leadership space. One of them being, for example, knowing your why for leading. You know, why are you leading? Are you leading because someone put you there? Did you want to be there? Do you feel like you have the skills to be there? Um, do you feel like it's your responsibility to skill yourself up to make sure you are more properly armed to, to lead others? But in the end, you have to know why you're there. If you don't know why you're there, it's the effort is futile. And I think one of the other things would be, you know, in this time right now during the pandemic, congruency is one of the areas that we look at in self-leadership. And that's the idea of like having a set of values and then acting in, or, you know, in alignment with those. That's what congruency really is. And so asking yourself during this time that, you know, what is it that you value and are you acting in, in alignment with that as it relates to the people you lead and yourself and your family, uh, you know, it's going deeper. So self-leadership is the, at the forefront of caring leadership. You know, at Blanchard, we we definitely don't believe in uh, in command and control leadership. I don't think you do as well. And so, when you think about uh, um, leading others, and you think about you know having kind of a, a kind of a side by side leadership model, as as Ken likes to talk about, what do you what do you like to focus on when you, when you're with with your people, helping them succeed, helping them move through the development continuum? How do you um, make them? Um, believe in themselves more? How do you help them to get more involved in their own development? How do you show up as a leader in a different way in your, in, in, in what you've learned? You know, I think the, the key is, and I put this in the book too, this idea of leading the whole person or meeting people where they are. I think it's really critical. We can't, we can't, we can't approach leadership as a, like a cookie cutter approach, right? It needs to be a customized experience and easy to personalize the people's strengths and the areas of improvement. And so I feel like meeting them where they're at, really truly understanding them. And we don't know who they are unless we are actually spending some time with them, right? So it's like, you don't just have a team and then you see them like once a month. You have a team and you meet with them weekly, one-on-one. Then you do your team meetings. And then there could be other outside activities or events that you're doing. So you get to know them and then you can pull on the strengths that you see bubble up from all those interactions and try to help them move forward that way. But it really is a personalized, customized experience. Any manager uh, who decides they're going to, they're, they're managing a team, whether you don't like to call yourself a manager or not. In fact, you are. In fact, your team members call you either their manager or their boss. So that's how they title you. They don't title you their leader. 
<laughs> so knowing that you are someone's boss or someone's leader, a manager, how are you um, How are you spending that time, that one-on-one time? I think that's probably the most important leadership uh, behavior you can have is, is, is building the connection, understanding who your people are, sitting with them, meeting where they're at. It's just critical. So I would say that that would be key. Ken talks about uh, leadership is not something you do to people. It's something you do with people. And you talk about a lot about looking for the greatness in those that you lead. How do you, how do you find that out? Is, is it, is it more, uh, more implicit touch points? Is it, is it just more engagement, more involvement? You know, how do you, how do you find that greatness in different people? Cause you know, as you know, we're all very different individuals. We have very different backgrounds, different skill sets. How do you typically go about that as a leader? What I find um, is that often people think they're spending time with their team members and that they're getting to the bottom of what like what makes them tick. And then they're asking the good probing questions to find out what they want to do and what really lights them up. But in the end, after they kind of listen to my talk, for example, they don't act, they come away going, "Ooh, I actually thought I cared more, but I'm not expressing it the way I thought I was or that I should. And, and then they know that they're falling short. And so that I think in that regard, uh, that what I said earlier about spending the time and that, I mean, yes, there are some, some really explicit touch points would be, you know, doing assessments. I think assessments are are amazing. They're, they aren't, you know, God, <laughs> they aren't something, you know, you can't just take it as the word, but I think in the end, they give really good guidance to what, again, what's people's strengths, what lights them up, how they answer those really is enlightening, which is why I created this assessment, this caring leadership self-assessment. So it's like, well, when they answer that, it'll tell me a whole bunch, particularly if they answer it truthfully, Right. Um, and so I think that doing the assessments is really good. So you can see where people fall. That would be like strengths finders or disc or Myers-Briggs, any of those types of things. I think um, putting them in different positions, uh, projects, and then gauging and even doing like after action or doing some debrief with them to find out the parts of the project they love the most, the parts of the project they didn't, and where you saw the results and the, in, you know, the end result of the project is also going to be super enlightening. I don't know. I feel like being with people sitting with them, being around them, understanding them is data. I look at the relationship side is inputs and outputs, right, as data. So as I'm spending that time with them and I'm really, you know, leaning into their experience and, have, you know, driving through empathy and heart, I'm able to really understand what it is that that just gets them excited. And to be honest, then they start getting, they get excited and they start asking for opportunities that are in their space where they know they shine. And it's up to the leaders to say, you know, let's, how about we try that? Let's do like a pilot on the thing that you that you say excites you. Let's just try this out. And being iterative like that is really helpful as a leader as well. You talk about providing safe spaces and and uh, allowing people that that room. And in this time, in this very um, important time in history, whether it's talking about DE&I, whether it's talking about the racial injustice, it's talking about the Me Too movement, um, there's been so many different changes and and although that is at the forefront right now, not everybody feels like they can address that in the workplace. I think organizations are, are starting to do a much better job addressing it. But when you talk about safe spaces and, and giving people that opportunity to, to be, um, how do you see it align with, with this really um, in, important, unique, and, and, uh, and vital part of our history that's going on right now? Yeah, I... It's been, this has been a very interesting time. And, you know, particularly for someone who looks like me, I'm not going to lie. I've had, you know, people come to me who uh, don't look like me, those who are, do look like me, right? Just different backgrounds and ask me questions and ask me how the experience is and, uh, you know, how they can broach the conversation with their people. And here's the thing I'm, I would say, and I would say it, you know, until my face turned purple. And it really is this. You cannot create safe spaces if you have not built a foundation of trust. 
And so, you know, that's something to meditate on and ask yourself that question. Have you, in fact, built a foundation of trust? Have you done what you say you're going to do? Have you been there for your people when things got tough, no matter what? Do they know you're on their corner, in their corner and on their side, always looking out for them? Do they know that you're not just so focused on you and achieving your projects and your goals and your your prestige, but you're there in in it for them so that they can, like I said, shine? So when you do, when you create that, and even the times when it was, it's not as drastic as what's happened in the last year, but you know, they have, they, they don't perform so well in a project and you sit with them and you, you just talk through it. Like what, how, how could we have done that differently? What happened there? Let's talk through what were the shining parts? What were the parts that weren't? And when you're doing that, when you're really in the trenches, kind of holding the hand in that way, uh, then when it comes to the point where you're trying to create the quote unquote safe space. So you're trying to say now the George Floyd things happens, right? And now we want to ha- open up and talk about how this is impacting you and how does this feel? And what can we do as an organization? You're not going to be in the position to ask those questions unless you've done the hard work of building trust first. You, you have to build the trust first. There's no easy way around it. So don't get frustrated if you're one of the leaders who decides that right now, or even if you did it like a few months ago, and you, cre- you wanted to create a forum for everybody to come and speak honestly amongst themselves. And you expected everybody to be open and honest, and they weren't. And they weren't because it, just look inward, look inward, that organizationally, it probably wasn't one based and founded on trust. Also, it could be just a leader to leader, depends on what the forum is. Um, and, and also, did you create that kind of psychological safety early on? Had you already allowed for iteration and, uh, you know, risk-taking? in a safe place and to, to talk about it and to allow them to keep going forward and doing different things and stepping outside their boxes. And if you did that, that when you say, when you announce this, the safe space idea, uh, it's going to be real, but right now, you know, in most cases it's not. Yeah. I've, I've struggled with that. I, I mentioned my struggles often on, on the, on the podcast and there are times where I don't know how to verbalize what I want to share. And so you're right. Having that trust and, and knowing that what I'm trying to get across, it may not, it may not be worded the right way yet, but I'm trying to get to that point. And so it, it is so important just to have that trusting atmosphere where people will give you the grace to, to find the words as, as we have these dialogues that we've not had in our time in mm. the workplace. And so I so appreciate that. You talk about creating yeah. a, a listening. I was going to do a follow-up. Yeah, please go ahead. Please. I actually love that. You brought up a, just a, you brought up a, a different point, but a extremely important point. When I was talking about sort of safe space in the context, I was talking about those who are like going out, trying to set out to create the forums like HR leaders. Right. But in your case, what I right. love about what you just said is this idea of peer to peer or just like everyone, no matter your title, giving that grace. And so the space itself is not just about like the leader creating it, but like you as a person, maybe you're not even someone who's in a, uh, has a manager title right now, but you feel like you have influence. You feel like you, you know, people influence you and that you ha- you play a certain critical role in your organization. How asking yourself, how much grace are you giving people not to use the most perfect words? Um, that's a big one. Because, mm. you know, if you're in a room with me and I'm a biracial woman and you're a white man, right? And we're in the room together and you're having this conversation with me. I lead with grace. I lead with the forgiveness kind of mindset, right? And with the understanding that we all come from different backgrounds and our, and our experiences really do add to the, to the complexity of our responses to the time that we're in right now. And so I know that. And so I respond the way, but not everybody starts out that way. And so I love you saying that because I would challenge people to think about where they're at in their shoes, irrespective of title and how much they can show up with and, and provide grace to others who are struggling during this time too. Thanks for, for pointing that out. Yeah. Thanks for the aside. Thanks for, for redirecting. I, I, I think it's something, if, if we're all honest, a lot of people are struggling with that. And yes, I am a, 
I'm a 40 something white guy and, uh, I'm in the workplace and, and I'm trying to be a part of, of, of a bigger discussion that, that wasn't always there, um, but needs to be. So I think that's important. You talk about the importance of creating a listening culture. How do you define that? And how do you go about being a better listener? Because I think I've been a Blanchard coming up on, on uh, 17 years. I think listening is the most underutilized and the most vital skill that's needed in everything we do, especially in the home. How do you become a better listener? Mm. Mm, that's so important. It's, it's so true. As we think about right now, you know, this pandemic, we're coming out, we're, we're still at home. Some of us will be hybrid. Some of us are fully returning to work. But thinking about how much we had to balance or even like really use that listening muscle with our with our kids at home, in addition to the team members that we might lead or our coworkers that need us, we have been really stretched to to learn to listen more effectively and, and even more so like looking at Zoom or any of those types of things. So listening to me is... Um, it's two-way, it's responsive, it's supportive, it is multifaceted, so it's not what you think. So listening um, could be where we're just, we are actually listening, where our mouths are shut, and we're just, we're really leaning in and keying in to what the other person's saying. Um, it could also be that we are asking questions. So I think, you know, that's a big part that people don't realize is that when you're listening, act, ask, asking really good questions that are showing your engagement, let the other person really know they've been heard. So it's listening, but it's also, again, this idea of asking the right questions. And then once we've listened in that way, where we're really, we've we put the cell phone down, we've closed the door, you know, we are really engaged and, and leaning in, um, then there's this idea of we have to act upon it in some way, even not every time. I, organizational leaders go, I don't, really, I don't want to do a survey because I don't really want to respond. Or we do the survey, but like, what do we do now? The idea is to think strategically about how you respond, if it's above organization, and if it's the leader thinking about team objectives, thinking about the whole unit. If you respond, how it will impact. You have to think strategically about your response, but you do need to respond. Action is a huge part of listening. And we think about it, so when we were babies, we were cooing in our cribs and our parents would come and we'd be like, oh my gosh, like, oh, I'm so important. I'm so important because someone heard my voice and they responded, right? That's how it is in the workplace. If people respond to us, we feel validated. The next step from there is this idea of really uh, connecting the dots, connecting the dots back to the people who use their voices. So if it's on a team meeting, if it's above organization in a survey, you want to go back to them and say, I heard you. And guess what? We are choosing to act or we have acted. And thank you for your voice because it was your voice who made us realize, you made us realize that we were missing in this one area. And now we're taking action because you're, because of your voice. How powerful is that? Yeah. If someone comes back, because most people, this is where probably like 90% of the people drop the ball. It's in the connecting of the dots or the closing of the loop related to the feedback they received. But imagine if everyone came back to you and said, oh my gosh, that idea that you had, Chad, that you gave me like two weeks ago, I went over here to this person, this person on the senior team, and we all agreed. And here's what we're about to do. You know, Here's what we're about to do right now. Thank you so much for providing that feedback. <laughs> That's pretty empowering, right? Very That's powerful. what listening is. That's what it gives to people. People are like, now my voice, this little thing that's in, you know, in my throat, now I realize how powerful it is. I've been validated. I've been heard. I'm important. Speaking of empowerment, one of, one of I think, one of the, the, the hardest skills often for new leaders to, to, to take on is, is, is letting go at sometimes, especially because a lot of new leaders come from the role that they're leading in a lot of cases, the, the, the man, the people they're managing, they used to be peers in a lot of cases. And so, um, what are some tips that you, or what, what have you found in your research and your, your findings that, uh, that can help new leaders, especially, um, allow 
those that they lead to empower them to, to actually make those decisions and actually be out on the front lines doing the job without, you know, I don't want to say micromanaging, but, but just getting involved a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be 100% honest. This is probably my shortcoming out of all the nine behaviors. Um, what I mean by that is I empower a lot, but I also have this thing where particularly if I'm under stress, I will find myself doing more micromanaging. And so it, um, I'm just want to be you know, fully honest. I wrote the book on all the art of caring leadership. I have a podcast on leading with heart. I speak about this stuff all the time and I'm still on a journey to try to get better in this regard. I would say that um, tr- empowerment has a lot to do. There's a couple of things. There's usually like the insecurity of a leader on whether the thing is going to get done. And it also has to do with the trust of the people that are doing the work. And so we have to make sure that first we're, we're bringing in the right people, the ones that we feel like the skill sets are there, that we have a trust, that we trust them to do the job. And once we know that we brought in the right people, we do have to trust them. So tr- trust is almost the foundation of everything, right? And I think in this regard with empowerment, if we don't trust the people, they're never going to feel empowered because we're always going to be all over them. But we also have to do that self-leadership stuff I talked about. We have to dig deep to find out what our own issues are, because if we are micromanagers, if we aren't letting go, there's probably, there could be some issues of control and things that we have, and we've got to work through those. This is where that idea of self-leadership really spills over to caring leadership, which is why it's the forefront. Because if we have not worked through our own issues, our own emotions, our own challenges, we continue to bear those down on those that we lead. And, um, and then again, they have that experience. And remember, they are, those that look to us for guidance and leadership are really the gauge or the meter for the, like they're the end user of our leadership. So they're the ones who get to tell us whether they feel one way or not. It's, so it's important to remember that. Um, I would say do it little by little. So it, not everything has to be like, here's a multi-million dollar project. Go get them. You know, it can be, okay, I, this is a new team member. This is a team member that maybe has messed up a few times. Give them little pieces and let them go and have a process of checking in. So it'd be like, you know, here's, we need to do the this round of, I don't know, in my case, this round of listening sessions, I would like for you to put together, you know, this thing. And I think do it the way you think it's going to work. I want to see what you come up with. I want you to come up a plan with it. And how about um, next week or something? We just check in, see how that's going. Then once you check in, yep, give them a little bit of guidance and then let them go do it. And maybe every two weeks check in, but give them a point to check in, not to just like pull them back on their process, but to continue to be a guidance for them. So this, um, this reminds me of a story some years ago, lots of years ago, if I'm dating myself, some many years ago, my husband and I, we went on our honeymoon and we went to this, this resort and it was a five-star resort and it was amazing. And when we got to the, got to this, um, this, uh, this restaurant, which is also way elevated, we walked in and we, we sat down, we, there was a whole like five people that were associated with our table. And they were just like, we're here for you. Uh, you don't have to really call on us. We're just here for you. Don't worry about it. And we, by the way, when we looked at the menu, our names were monogrammed on it too. So it was a kind of cool place, yeah. but I had never been in a place where five people were associated with our table alone. So we're, we're having our dinner and they tell us everything and then they, then they go, like they go in the distance. And I'm, I'm not joking. You don't really see them. You're just like, they're in the distance. You're enjoying yourself. And now all of a sudden you're like, shoot, I have one thing I have to ask them. And I mean, you barely have to look up and they're like there, but they're not there, but they're there right in that moment to give you the direction you need for whatever you need for the next course or whatever. Then they, then they go in the distance again. And I see this thing as a same as a parallel to where we, where we should really be leading people. They are there kind of on their journey. We are in the distance, but but accessible when we need them. And we are paying attention, but we're not hawking. So we're like, we're paying attention, but we're not right in their space. And then when they need us, though, we're right there. So we're, we're highly accessible to them. 
And that's how I look at it when from the empowerment standpoint is that we are accessible. We provide them guidance, but we allow them, we have, we give them a long, long lane to run on. And, and then if they do mess up because we are there for them and we've also kind of helped them give them guidance, then we'll walk through it together and say, okay, how do we do this different next time? And maybe next time we'll have a couple other checkpoints or another, um, you know, check and balance in the system when we're going down here. But it, no matter what, you're doing it together. You're doing it in a collaborative way. And you're, again, giving them some breathing room while also being accessible. I appreciate. I appreciate the stories. I appreciate the examples. And we're just about out of time. And so we've got time for just a couple more questions. And, and this is one I, I love to pose. If if you were to think about the listener today and and uh, and, and and the investment they've made in us, what is, what's the one thing that you'd like for them to get out of our conversation we've had today? Caring leadership is really taking daily actions to, to show concern and kindness for those we lead. And I would just say that that requires no title. It's all about, and the exciting thing is it's all about where you stand in your shoes and that you have the ability. It's the one thing you can control is how you show concern and kindness towards others. And so I would just say, know that, know that you have the power, the positive power to be that leader with or without a title to anybody around you. Heather Younger, the book is called The Art of Caring Leadership, How Leading with Heart Uplifts Teams and Organizations. If our listeners want to dig a little bit deeper into your world, into where they can find you and learn more, where would you send them? I would say to go to two places, theartofcaringleadership.com. You can go there, uh, find out more information about the book and get some cool free free downloadables. And then the other thing, a place would probably be to go to um, LinkedIn and just look up Heather Younger. And you'll, I'll pop up because I do client, a lot of stuff out there. And when you, when you do that, you'll be able to follow my stuff. And we can learn from one another if you do that too. Thank you so much. So appreciate your insights. Appreciate your passion. Thank you so much for being a part of this episode of the, the Blanchard Leadership Podcast. Thank you for having me. And thank you for joining us for today's podcast. If you enjoyed this interview and like to learn more and also help us grow the audience, please subscribe to the Leader Chat podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, or wherever you're listening. And please share this with your friends. The best way you can help us grow, though, is feedback. As Ken Blanchard says, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So please write us a review if you haven't already. And by the way, this podcast is sponsored by the Ken Blanchard Companies. If you'd like to learn more, there's even a lot of free resources to better yourself and your organization. Go to KenBlanchard.com. You'll find all kinds of free tools and materials to help you and others grow. Thanks again to our guests for joining us today. For now, I have the pleasure of turning it over to Ken Blanchard for his thoughts on what we discussed. Here it is, your final minute with Ken Blanchard. I really enjoyed Chad's interview with Heather Younger on her book, The Art of Caring Leadership. And listen to the subtitle, because it's really key, How Leading with Heart Uplifts Teams and Organizations. Heather and I are coming from the same viewpoint that if you care for your people and make them feel important, you will be amazed by what they will do with each other, your customers, and your organization to get great results and great human satisfaction. I tell you, it's fabulous. And I agree with Heather. It all starts with the self. Are you a caring person or not? I always say to people, are you here to serve or be served? And what she's saying is, are you here to care or be care? Uh, 
cared for. And so it's wonderful, wonderful material. And I think if you really read this book, share it with your people and implement it in your organization, what a difference it's going to make in everybody's lives because caring about each other is so important. Thanks, Heather. Thanks, Chad. Great stuff. Listen to it. Share it. And what? Live it. God bless. God bless.